Somebody been running for a long time. Somebody been running on. Somebody been running for a long time. Somebody been running on. Nobody can run forever. Nobody gonna run and hide. Nobody can run forever. Nobody gonna run and hide. You can't hide from the feelings that you've done. You can't hide from the days you made. You can't hide from the feelings that you've done. You can't hide from the mess you've made. Time is up. You can't go no further. You can't go no further. Yeah. Yeah. That good? I think we're sitting good, man. Yeah, your water. Yep, you got your water. Yeah. Decline that phone call. I am busy because today I am joined by the legendary Mike Eldridge, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to this one time. Mike. Yeah. Bear your soul to these fine people. <laughs> this massive man. Well, um, thanks for asking me to do it, first of all, because I'm a big fan of yours, oh, of stop, all the stuff man. that you do. Thank you. And, um, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm just a musician that uh, I grew up in L.A. and was born in L.A. and then um, moved out here about, about 17 years ago now. And, right. um, yeah, I've been living in Arizona and just doing my, my bag out here. Yeah. I was working for Fender. Uh-huh. for a long right. time and that's what moved they moved me out here and then you know uh as corporations go you know it was like hey you know we're, we're making changes and i'm like great you know <laughs> i and i you know i tried to quit like three times before that <laughs> but and all of a sudden when I, they try to break it off with you you're like god damn it no i was ready i was like i, I was like okay cool thanks bye and you uh-huh. know it was easy for me you know yeah. and they're all nice people i mean i still talk to those people they're very very cool yeah and um so anyways, yeah, so, and then I just did music full-time. I'd, I've been doing music my whole life, but when I moved out here, you know, I just wanted to do more of that and stuff, and so that's really kind of what I did, you know? All oh, right. wow, we Comida. planned this perfectly. Know, look, look at that. you. You can just put it here. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much. And that's ceviche, right? Yes, the seasonal, the albacore. Albacore ceviche. Yeah. They're known for their ceviche here. It's unbelievable. All right, I'm going to take your word for yeah, it, yeah. and I'm about to taste it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So, yeah. So, yeah, so I just, you know, came out here and um, been doing music and, and then doing a bunch of other stuff, too, that we'll get into, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll get into that because you told me you were definitely pivoting more onto the <laughs> film side of it. So we'll, we'll put we'll put it. Oh, yeah. In that. Should we dig into this since it's fresh? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So it, let me get rid of my gum. Do we need to stop it or we just eat? No, we're going to do oh, this. I love it, Juan. That's, I was hoping you were going to say that. Yes. No, I want you first. You first. first. Oh, yeah. You have I, to. So you break off some of this and you take that and cut it, get it, get it all mixed in. And uh, okay. is it is this video? There's it's some, video, yeah. It's, okay, so they can't see it, but no. we'll, we'll show them afterwards. Okay. We'll show some. We'll get some pictures and stuff. Okay. But mix it up. Wait, hold on. Should I get a photo right now then? Yeah, you, you should get a photo. Yeah. This. So the thing is, we're at a spiritu in mesa and um roberto the guy who owns this place he's a he's a buddy of mine and when juan approached me about doing a podcast i said have you been to the spiritual he goes no i said we have to go 
because the comida here is like unreal. It's on fire, man. Yeah, it's really so good. good. Okay. Mix it up. You gotta mix, mix it up. Oh, man. just just straight yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, get in there and chop some of that stuff up. Yeah. Get All some right, of that man. avocado. Yes. Oh yeah, dude. This is gonna blow your mind. And then <laughs> right, and then look at this one. Oh wow. Give almost as I told you, dude. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, I told you. This is this is like the stuff. <laughs> I love it, man. Have you ever done like food on a podcast? No. Oh, good. Even better. Like, what are you doing? Even better. Mm. Right. I told you. <laughs> and you said you weren't hungry. Mm. That's the best part. Ay, Dios mío. I know, right? So rich. Yeah, it's unbelievable, man. It's so good. And those are perfect. Yeah. What are these? Yep. They make the tortillas here, I believe. It's something different. They're, they're very yeah. airy. Yeah. Oh, this like perfect. Yeah. Mm. I love that you've never done food on the podcast. I haven't. Because well, I'm we're a, talking I'm, about. I'm a food freak. You are a food freak, and you're talking about your cooking show. Yeah. I definitely want to be a part of that. Yeah. All right, here we go. Mm. Oh, man. Forget it. Perfect amount of lime. Right. The avocado. They got a good avocado guy. Mm -hmm. Their thing. So Roberto and his cousin, um, Rene. Rene runs. Um, I'm sorry. I'm like eating right in the mic. Rene owns uh, Bacanora. Mm -hmm. I guess they both own bunk. I don't know how it works, but yeah. And then and then Roberto runs this, and then they have another thing called uh, 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 Cocino Chihuas, which they're partners with Tacos Chihuas guys. Okay, I know Tacos Chihuas. Yeah, so. which is right there. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's where it's from. I've had it before, and I wasn't, yeah. wasn't sure where it was from. So they so they did this this restaurant together, the three of them. And that one's, I haven't eaten there yet, but I, I, I'm sure it's unreal. But like Bacanora, it, I think they got a James Beard Award for Best New Restaurant, Southwestern Restaurant in, in Phoenix or something like that. Yeah. But they're just incredible people, number one. Number one, that's the number one thing. You know that one. Yes. And it's like they're incredible people, but the food is unreal. It translates. Yeah. It oh, translates because the anything. character. Yeah. Part of that person's character goes into the food. Yep. Man. Yep. Which is kind of like why is like some racist and bigotry culture food like really good like some some southern some southern stuff which which might come with like a lot of you know deep hate and resentment but it's like so good wow. I, I guess that's one of my bits that I want I always want to I need to work in it's like one of the best seasonings or or like uh, keys to like a good cooked meal is like some <laughs> some good homegrown bigotry oh my god. <laughs> But why not? Maybe but now you. But see, now you're saying everybody in the South is. That is true. Yeah. You yeah, don't yeah. want to do that. No, you don't want to do that. You don't want to gen generalize in that sense. But you kind of have to for some jokes. That's it. That's that's the thing about like comedy is you make big no. sweeping generalizations no. just in the moment. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's like once you break it down, um, yeah. It, 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 everybody has layers. Everybody has their own. They're, they're, they really are their own individual, yeah. which is great, which is what I've learned in, in doing what I'm doing here. Yeah. And and what you've learned and in, in all the traveling you've done. And when did you become such a foodie? Were you always that way or was it because you were on the road and you're like, man, I'm tired of like McDonald's and Wendy's? And Well, when I when I 
for me, like growing up, right, a lot of my family was from the South. Gotcha. Texas. Uh, my grandmother was from Texas. My mom was from, my mom was Irish, but she uh, was from Texas and then, uh, and then Tucson. And um, so growing up, my, because my grandmother and my mom were both from Texas, uh-huh. it was just, you know, the, you know, biscuits and gravy every yeah. morning, you know, and then, and then, you know, just that whole fried okra. You know, and that whole type of thing, fried chicken, yeah. you know, that whole t- southern cuisine thing. And so for me, growing up like that, because my gra- my grandmother, she owned a restaurant uh, when I was a little kid. I mean, little kid. Yeah. And um, I would go to the restaurant with her because she had to watch my brother and me. And we would go to the restaurant with her. And it was in downtown Los Angeles. And it was, a, um, it was called Cameo. And, and at Cameo, they made all the porcelain license plates for all the cars. Oh. It was porcelain. And then they did all the road signs. And they made it out of porcelain, steel with porcelain on top. Really? Yeah, it was wild. And so anyways, she ran a little cafe off to the side of the factory, and she fed everybody there. It was like a lunchroom. All lunch the room. workers, yeah. yeah. So, excuse me. So I went there. You need to get into that. Okay. Okay. I will after this yeah. story. So, so anyways, so... Anyways, I would go there, and so it was constantly, she's cooking and stuff and doing all that, all that stuff, and so she would, you know, she'd give me a little piece of dough to play with or whatever it is when I was a little kid. So it, it just continued on like that. As I got older, you know, my mom would cook, I would cook, and, um, you know, the first time my, my wife, Karen, met my mom, she came over to my mom and dad's house, and I was over there, and my mom and, my mom and me were making a quiche. Oh shit! And she's just like, "What's this guy about?" You know? Uh, yeah. And and um, but yeah. So I've 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 always been into food, and then I would go. I had a lot of friends who were into food, so we'd go to restaurants, you know. And instead of like, oh, let's go to the bar, we would still do that too. But we we would go. Oh, we got to go have a nice meal. And so yeah. you go to have a nice meal at a nice restaurant, not just a, a dive, you know. And so we would eat really really good food like that. And then my aunt, my tia, was in was in um, Tucson, and yeah. she was Mexican. So when I would come out, this is the this is the craziest ungodly thing I could ever think of, oh, and sure. I think of it every summer when I live because I live here in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> when I was a kid, my mom and dad would take us on vacation, summer vacation, to Tucson. <laughs> to Tucson. And but, I was like, but, but you looked forward to it. Well, I look at it. And of course, I did back then. Kid, yeah, yeah. But I look at it now, and I'm like, what the <laughs> flip were they thinking? You know, you're in Tucson in the summertime. Why? But it prepped you for 17 years ago moving here. Yeah, I yeah. guess. Yeah. You were, no. you, you were, you know, that Bane quote where it's like, I was born in it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so anyway, so so with my tia, it was always Mexican food. Yeah. So, you know, tamales around Christmas time. Oh. And she would be making, you know, food all the time, you know. And, and it's like, you know, and so I would see how she's doing it. And like when I first met Karen, my wife, we would go down to Tucson. I wanted her to meet my my tia, so she went down there. And she taught, taught her how to make tortillas. You know, we went out to dinner in, in Nogales. Yeah, you oh, know, wow. yeah. So it's it's like I grew up around food constantly, especially southern and southwestern food. Yeah, right. So much spice and flavors. Yeah. And then as I as I, and that that kind of embedded it in me. And then as I grew up and I started building guitars and going to Japan, and mm-hmm. then it was just then it was like a whole nother. That's a whole other culture of food. Well, dude, I've 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 really gotten down to three three key elements can bridge just about any any gap in cultures 
um, age, anything like that. Yeah. Food, music, yep. and sports. Mm-hmm. And you're heavily involved in two of those. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that you're able to really indulge in a culture and get to know the people. Because what better way to get to know somebody than, than those, those three things, for one. But the food, what nourishes them? What, what do they gather around? It is the food. Yeah. And that's going to teach you a lot about them. Yeah. About the people you're surrounding yourself with. And then as I went through, because I built guitars and we'll get into all that stuff. But mm-hmm. as I dealt with musicians, I found a lot of musicians liked food, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good food, you know. And then, I, and then in, in eating at nice restaurants, I found a lot of the chefs played guitar yeah <laughs> really yeah oh yeah so it was and, and you know like i have a lot of friends in in major league baseball too yeah and bob God, i'm gonna say i'm gonna say his name wrong he used to manage the um diamondbacks bob brenly is that right that sounds right i hope that's right otherwise these people are gonna kill me yeah anyways i met him and he, and he told me he played guitar and he told me he goes all bass players want to be rock rock stars and all rock stars want to be baseball players <laughs> And it's true. So, you know, anyways, so I'd meet these sports figures and I'd meet these chefs and they all, they all um, wanted, played music or wanted to play music. And so that's really kind of, that was a whole nother thing to it, you know? So you're, you're able to, you know, you're, you're doing something and excelling in something that they find in in a passion other than their current passion and profession. Yeah. So it just, it, it gives them a window into into understanding that that their that other passion a little bit more closely a little bit more intently because you're so deep in it right that it, that it allows them to kind of escape a little bit and really oh, you know kind of get a master class in it yeah it's like like watching your 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 abuela cook yep you know and it's like you can get lost in that yeah and just watching just the years oh, yeah. of experience because it's an art and it's and it's tradition it handed down it is right art. Everything, everything to me is becoming art. Art is everything. You get, I, there's a quote, I keep it on my phone, and I send it to people every once in a while. You got to find soul in everything. Yeah. And that's the truth, too, you know. But art is everything. When you, this podcast is art for you. Oh. When you do the comedy, it's art for you. Well, thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> and when, you know, when, when, when you do the running, you know, 50 miles, you know, that's art. It's an art. It's an art form, you know. You're doing something for your body, but you're also, it's an art thing. You're expressing. Any, any, yeah. any level expressing. of you being creative and expressing. I, I, I had that thought the other day. I'm having just ridiculous thoughts lately. I don't know what it is, man. I'm going through some existential shit right now. I know that's what it is. But I'm just thinking more deeply about everything. And I don't know if I'm up my own ass with it. But I just, like, it, to me, if, like, if I'm not creating, then I'm not existing. Right. You know? I just had this this conversation with my wife. Um, you know, some money issues came up, and it's like money was tight. And it's like I get up in the morning or I go to bed at night, and I start thinking about what I need to do to bring money in, and I get consumed in that because it's important. It's obviously important. The balance. You got there's a balance there, but but I but I see, and I said that the, the comment I meant it, made to her the other day is that I hate money because it it it, it it's like a sucker leaf out of create for the, all the creativity because I want to sit down and write songs I want to work on songs that I've already written yeah you know I want to dive deeper in some of the more the arty stuff that I'm doing 
that brings me pleasure. And when I'm in the middle of it, the last thing on my mind is money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and, and so that's a struggle, I think, with every artist. And you sit back and you just go, dude, if I didn't have to. And, you know, the simplicity of it is, well, if I was rich. Yeah. I've ha- I have a lot of rich friends. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, this, this issue is scalable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's scalable. More money, more problems. Biggie, more more, spot, more money, more responsibility. More yeah. money, more problems. More money, more assets to deal with. More, it, it's, it's always more, more, more. With, with, with that thing, it, more other stuff comes. You know, so I have a new appreciation for Van Gogh, you know, who's <laughs> like yeah. broke. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Because you, you, you created for the sake of just creating. Yeah. You know, I, I just had um, Otto Diangolo on. He's a um, renowned engineer, music producer. Mm-hmm. And he, he had mentioned uh, when he hears a new artist talk about, you know, their newest album. And he goes, yeah, you know, it's great. It's exactly what we were going for, you know, this and that. And he goes, why were you going for anything? Right. Like, art should just ex- happen. Like, you, it should just kind of happen to you. It should, yeah. hey, we're just in here looking to create. Right. And whatever comes out of it comes out of it. But he's just like, I, I don't necessarily know if I look forward to anything that an artist says. Yeah, it was really what we were going for in this. And it's like, yeah. fuck, is that, like, that holds a lot of weight. Well, one of the things that ju- it just came up yesterday was Blaine Long. You know who Blaine Long is? He's a guitar player, singer, songwriter mm-hmm, guy mm-hmm. around Phoenix and stuff. And um, he did a thing, <clears throat> with, I, th- I think, with somebody else. I don't know if it's in. Did you just share something yeah, on it? Yeah. R- yeah write so. a damn song yeah. on Instagram. And it's a cool concept because it's like, okay, every month we're going to pick a guy. He's going to come up with topics and or titles and or scenes yeah and then you throw that out to songwriters and then any songwriter who wants to write a song based on that stuff you do it in that month and then you you put it up on your instagram and then you tag write a damn song and and then people get to hear it and it's it's super i think it's such a great idea because it gets everybody sitting there going oh okay and then but you have to write a song like now yeah right now write write a song right now do it and see that's a thing that's a concept that I really, I toss around in my head quite a bit, one, And John Mayer's a good buddy of mine, right? And I'm not dropping names, but he, John, John Mayer's a really good friend of mine. And John and I talk a lot about stuff like this. And one of the things I said to John just recently is I told him, I said, I want to do a record in one day. And he goes, what do you mean? I go, I want to get up in the morning and I want to write a song. And then I want to write another song. And then I want to write another song. And then I want to write another song. And I want to get an album's, and I'll come back to this later, an quote-unquote album's worth of material. And then I want to record it. And then I want to mix it and master it. And then by 12 midnight, I want to put it out. What? (laughs) That's what he said. I'm just picturing you like just completely run down, disheveled. Right? Holy shit. Right. So it's like your whole day, number one, from 12 a.m. to 12 p.m., right? Yeah. And so, so your whole day is this. Your whole day. You dedicate your whole day to doing it, you know? And he's like, I don't know. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. And, you know, John's a, he's, he's a lot deeper than I am, for sure. <laughs> but it's like, you know, that's, that's a thing where... And he, and he... I think that John approaches things differently, you know? And, and so... But for me, I look at it and I'm like, 
No, that's a thing. It is a thing. And that you <laughs> literally, man. <laughs> right. You're making me laugh, man, because we were just talking about the po- before the podcast started, and you and you were talking about like everything I'm doing and the running 50 miles, right? right. And you're like, yeah, I see a lot of myself in you. And I was like, how? Like, no way, Mike. And then you literally just say, I want to write an album in one day. One day. And I'm like, how? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. That's that's something ridiculous that I would say and play and go out to do it. But see, the thing thing is, Juan, is you're sitting there right now and you're going, you could do that. Yeah, yeah, do it. You could do that, huh? You can do it. No, I mean, anybody could do it, I think. I think that if they sat down and... I think that if you sat down and said, okay, I want to do it, and not have a preconceived, oh, I have these six songs that I wrote six months ago, I'll I'll do those. Because that's exactly what I would do right now. See, you can't do that. See, I wouldn't allow myself to do that. It would be all about, no, no, I got to start at... at, As soon as that clock ticks to 12 a.m. Drugs or no drugs? No drugs. Damn. Coffee's fine. Okay, 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 cool. But y- as soon as it clicks, you sit there and go, okay, now, I get, now I'm going to do it. Dude, I'm getting juiced up you talking about it. I want you to If do you this. had drugs, you could do it for easily. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm the putting hell. out a double record by noon. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then you're going to play it, and people are going to listen to it and be like, what the fuck what is the this? Fuck and then you're like, you no, okay? no, you got to play it in reverse. And then you play it in reverse, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, it's like there it the is. masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, what was that yeah. that you were on? Yeah. And it was love. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, so that, that's, that's a thing. I mean, I, I don't have any plan to do it, but I want to do it. I think about stuff like that. Do it. You know what that reminds me of? And a lot of, a lot of stuff that I'm going through right now comes out of me trying to run 50 miles lately uh-huh. um, i'm hurting a lot right now physically i got bad sciatica pain lower back pain like from I'm, the run from from existential things that were already there oh. existing things yeah that were just brought to major light after the run right but in that i <laughs> the following week i rucked 10 miles with 40 pounds on my back i saw that um and i talked to a guy in my workout group and he i had just met him and we we're talking about this and he brought up to me um, the Japanese tradition of a masogi and it is a task a venture something that you take on once a year with the 50% failure rate Ooh. you're not it's, it's, there's a chance you're gonna fail it's, it's high and to me he's he was like you, you you failed at 50 miles right I was like yeah you know I, I really did and he's like that's a masogi you know you you, you you aim to do something and it could be simple it's, it could be like write a write a three-page paper in german you know or a poem or th- it could be something learning a language it could be something it doesn't necessarily need to be you know physical right it could be like again your, your album there's a there's a high chance you're not gonna you know finish that and there's something to that that you know you learn a lot about yourself there's a lot of testing a lot of trials you're kind of going to go through and find out a lot about yourself and we're going to fail yeah and if you choose to just take it as like i failed so i lost instead of like i failed how could i regroup and come back stronger what did i learn from this right that's the real failure is where you yeah you're gonna fail but did you you still didn't learn anything then you really fucking lost yeah yeah. then then you're then you're kind of then you're gone Yeah, yeah so that's that's been ringing true to me 
I like lately that. in in uh, Masogi, and it's you're supposed to like be under this ice cold waterfall, like as a cleansing thing. It's like this this crazy you know ritual in Japanese culture. But the one piece that stuck out to me was that that Masogi. Yeah. Um, do something with a high high probable chance of you not completing it. Right. And then find out what you learn about yourself. See, I think that's great. I love that. Yeah. I'm all for that, man. That's like to me, that's the thing because how many people go through life just going and just think about it and don't do it that's my my greatest regret right looking back is gonna be like i sh- i wanted to go for it and i didn't yeah and i and i didn't and and to me those are always going to be the greater regrets of of my my inability to take action yeah versus oh you know i i did this and i hurt this person or that person you know we can forgive but i don't know if we can forgive ourselves for not not living to our potential yeah i guess is the, is the big thing that that's riding on me lately. yeah <clears throat> That's a tough one. Tough pillow to swallow. It's cool, though. I mean, what you read the Masagi, I like that. Yeah. You got to run with it. You got to do that album. Well, at, le- at least you're, you're planting the seed. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, like we talked about before, it's like the cooking show. And, you know, there'll be a lot of things. I, I sometimes, like privately, I'll call it uh, Ralph Cramden's hot, hot dog stand. You, that's what you're gonna call the no, the, but it's a thing, and you you're probably too young to, to to know all this, but it's like the honeymooners, right? Okay, with yep. Jackie Gleason and all mm-hmm. that stuff. I'd watch that show all the time. I'd come home from gigs, and you know it'd be one o'clock in the morning, and the honeymooners would be on. Yeah, reruns, you know, and I and I'd watch it, and it, and they shot it all live. Which first of all, that that just blew my blew my mind. Yeah, they shot it all live, and this is one. Of, this is let me give you a side a little side thing. This is one of my biggest things, is that I don't like to rehearse. I don't like to practice anything. What do you mean? I hate doing that. I, to, we call it the R word at my house. <laughs> we don't talk about that. And and so, and the and part of the reason why is that, so when they when they taped the honeymooners or they filmed it because it was all done live, I think, um, and it was done in New York. Jackie Gleason, he would he lived in uh, Florida. And uh, so the cast would either be down in Florida with him, and he would write the show out. Yeah, yeah. But he wouldn't show it to the cast until the night before. Interesting. And, and he would give them stuff. And then when they wanted to rehearse, he wouldn't rehearse with them. And they would, it would really upset them. They didn't like that. And then, and then before they taped it, they would take a train from Miami Beach to New York to do the taping. And the whole time, and the night, like the night before, and the whole time they would be just partying, drinking, doing the whole thing. So they're hungover now. Oh shit! They don't. They're not rehearsed. They're yeah. hungover, and Jack. And when you watch those shows, it's magic. It's it, magic. It, it has to be. It's because there's a lot of ad lib. There's a lot of people forgetting their lines. And there, I just saw recently how they would they would signal him to do that stuff. Anyways, what I, I want. I don't. I got to stay on this, the the same point. But but that whole that whole um, thing about. You know, not planning anything out, not rehearsing things and stuff, stuff like that. And for me, a lot of these things that I think of, there was one episode of The Honeymooners, and it was like, Ralph comes, he's a bus driver, he comes home and he goes, I got it. You know, me and, you know, his buddy, uh, Norton, he goes, we're, we're going to buy a hot dog stand. Yeah. And we're going to make all this money. We're going to be entrepreneurs. We're going to do our whole thing, you know. But he was always coming up with some cockeyed scheme like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his wife was like, what are you doing? You know? And, and his bread and butter was being a bus driver. 
you know, and the other guy worked in a sewer. <laughs> so, so, but he was always coming up with these hot dog stands. So that's why I always call like the cooking show. It's a hot dog stand. Gotcha. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's around. That's a long. That's a long way to get to what I was saying. But but it, it, it makes sense because it does. It, I I come up with these ideas to do stuff, and like Papa Legba Hoodoo Barbecue and Soul Supply, same thing. But it's just like I just looked at it, and again, it was an art project. Anything I do is an art project. So I sit there and I go, well, do I want to do a cooking show? Yeah, I can do a cooking show. What? And then I, I conceptualize this. Like, I'm, I, I want to gear it towards guys like you. Do you cook very much? I, I don't. Yeah. I don't. So it's guys like you. See how I, knew, I called that? It's guys like you, right? Who doesn't cook, who don't cook very much. You probably eat out more than anything, right? Um, not really, man. I really don't eat that much. And that's why I'm not saying slippery. But you know what I'm saying? It's like a lot of guys... Your age will will go out. They eat out. If yeah, single, if, I, if I am going to get a meal, yeah. most of the time it is it yeah. is out. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm and so what my thing is is that it's really the cooking show is geared towards guys like that, where it's just like okay, let's let me show you how to make something really fast and easy and good. Yeah, you know, and then in the middle of that, have a guest come on who is maybe a musician or a comedian or or a baseball player or whatever it is. Yeah, talk about his work a little bit. And if he's a musician, it's like, hey, let's play some music while that's cooking. And then mm-hmm. we sit down and play a song. Oh, right? badass, man. Yeah. It's a, a great concept. Idea, and I shot, I've shot four of them. But it's like, again, like we were talking about before, I get paranoid of releasing it because if it, if, if, that's a, that's a, it's like getting a dog. Yeah. It, yeah, it is. You got to feed that thing every feed night. Feed it and walk it. Yep. Yeah. You forget about that. You're just, you you think of all the the, the fun things, or the relaxing things <laughs> oh, of it. I'm watching TV yeah. and the dog's on my lap. That's yeah, it's right. got to take off. Yeah. Oh shit! The dog crapped in the carpet. Oh, now I got to clean that up. So yeah. I'm not so much into cleanup. <laughs> it reminds me of a of a joke I have right now where it's um, my my daughter just has to be in gymnastics, and I'm like, what's more expensive, gymnastics? Or finding a hitman to put out to, to finish a contract on my daughter. Oh man, <laughs> brutal! <laughs> it's bad. Okay, all right, we're, ta- we're taking a, a, a quick break. Not a break as far as on off camera, man, because we just go balls to the wall here. Mm-hmm. Um, what is this called? So this is their skirt steak. No, no. Get the tortilla. Okay. There should be two in there. No, no, más hay uno. Only one? Okay, yeah, just rip it in half. Yep. Andale. Okay. Papas. Papas. Right. And then there's some onion there. Yeah. Put put everything in there. And okay. then you have to get the bacanora beans. Okay. That's and you okay. have to get some steak in there. I do. I definitely do. Oh, my God. You guys are going to watch this, watch Juan pass out. It's so good. You got more steak, no? I got oh. the one piece. That, you got more? Mas, mas, mas. There you go. I don't know if that's going to oh, fit in my mouth. That's not going to fit in your mouth, but you need to go at it. Is that the first time you've said that? Look at, watch. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I mean? Good. Yep. It's unreal, right? You ever use a tortilla as a napkin? Oh, yeah. You have oh. to. Right? Ideal meal. Right? Dude. I told you. Dude. See, it's a gift that keeps on giving after that bite. Look at you. Uh, <laughs> it's unreal, right? Unreal. That's why when you said to me, I'm in Mesa, I go, dude, we got to go to the Spiritu. Oh. This place, if anybody's watching or listening, you have to come here. 
You have to come here. This is so good. With an onion. I'm just going to dig oh. into it like this, man. So good. <clears throat> the bacanora beans. Look at that. Papas. Right? Wow. I know, right? And you weren't even hungry. I was not hungry, man. You weren't even hungry, dude. And now it's like this. And now you're going to come back. I'll be back <laughs> and back and back. Dude, I might have to come back tomorrow and bring my girl. Mm-hmm. Mm. Actually, she's under the weather right now. She wouldn't appreciate this to its full extent because she's... Well... Yeah, she's all stuffy and whatnot. <clears throat> my wife... She says, I said, I'm going to take her to a, I'm going I'm to have him do it at a spiritual, the podcast. And she said to me, she goes, <laughs> she already knew. She's just like, she goes, have a nice dinner. <laughs> she she's knows. all salty. She's all salty about it. And, and are you going to take a, a to-go plate? What are you doing? There's not going to be any to-go plate. Even if you take a to-go plate, it'd be gone by the time you get yeah. home. I'd, pour, I'd go around the corner and eat it. <laughs> You'd be like, babe, babe. And she's like, I understand, Mike, but I'm not happy. Yeah, this is amazing. Back in the day, she'd say, I smell like perfume on you. Now she's like, I smell tortillas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where have you been? <laughs> She's like, what's that on your collar? Mantequilla? Fucking Mantequilla? Oh, my God. This is wild, man. Right? Dude, what, what a joy, man. I could not... This is crazy. I'm sitting here. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful summer day outside. It's, a, it's literally a beautiful summer day outside. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting with the great Mike Eldred. Wow. I'm eating fantastic food from Espiritu. And having... A great conversation. Man. Right. Life's good sometimes. Life is fucking beautiful, man. <laughs> God, I, I, I'm very <coughs> thankful right now. Man. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that coming up with stuff like that, I mean, that's why when I see you do your thing, it's like, it's, it, it come, at least it comes off as, hey, I'm going to do that today, you know? Well, I don't. It's a thing, man. It really does. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to do that today, and I love that because I. And that's what I was saying to you. Like, well, I think we we're pretty much alike because I wake up, I'm going, hey, I think I'm going to do that today. You know, and so, yeah, it's a good thing, good way to be. And so, in some ways, I think it drives people crazy, though. It can. Yeah. It can for sure. Yeah. You know, I think at first we'll we'll, we'll see how it goes with, with my lady, man. She's awesome, but it's like, yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to test some of that because I think pe people we fall in love with the idea of people you know you fall in love with like the, the powerful successful man and then you're like well he has no time for me and it's mm -hmm. like well he's out being powerful and successful right oh wow I really want that beautiful model over there and then you get upset that she gets all the attention and she gets hit on and, and like all these things it's like brother it comes with the territory yeah. so it's like this this thing that kind of 
you gravitate towards somebody initially can also be the thing that really turns you off after a while because you're like, wow, it's like this doesn't shut off. Yeah. You know, and it's like it, <laughs> it yeah. doesn't, man. The, 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 the great the great qualities of people. It's like it's a double edged sword, which is, I guess, could bring me to this this crazy point about about genius. Yeah. Genius and crazy are next door neighbors. Man. Oh, yeah. So when people look back and they think of all these powerful artists and thinkers and all that, and then you, you find out how weird they were or that they wouldn't be quote unquote woke or PC or anything like that. And it's like, there's, there's something about people that really, you know, become a niche or become like this, I, I don't even know the word I want to select right now, but it's like, they're not normal. And, and you can yeah. tell that by how great they are. And then yeah. you expect them to be normal. Yeah. What the hell is even normal? But, and you can speak to that because again, you're, 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 you're friends and familiar with for all your years of very quote unquote successful people when it comes to industries. Right. Um, and, and you can see that where it's yeah. like, man, this guy's awesome, but maybe in doses. It's interesting. Um, I had this conversation with John Mayer mm-hmm. and, <coughs> excuse me, and I was quitting drinking, right? And John had been sober for, I think, five years or something like that, four or five years. And he, we, I, I was talking to him about it and I said, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to stop drinking. I go, I said, um, how did you stop? Did you just cold turkey? And he, and he goes, yeah, I just stopped. And for me, there was no issue there was no you know no no dw dw uh dui there's no duis there was no run-ins you know or anything like that i mean i did some crazy crap when i was drunk you know when i was younger and all that stuff but i was just i was working so much you know what i mean i was working at casimira's you know three nights a week i was and then and then i was doing acoustic solos two two night two nights a week Mm-hmm. You know, and then on the weekend, you know, I would drink at home, you know, with my wife. And so for me, I was like, and I told John, I said, I'm drinking every night. Yeah. But I'm not drunk every night, but I'm drinking every night, you know, but I'm not, I'm not like, uh, you know. But And also your, your tolerance builds. Yeah. Too, my tolerance know? was way high. I mm-hmm. wasn't, I, you know, I wasn't getting into trouble. Like I said, I wasn't causing a scene. I wasn't getting, causing accidents or anything. Stuff. I would drink, but I wouldn't get drink. I wouldn't drink to, to be drunk. Yeah. I would just drink. And, and I told him, I said, I go, you know, there's so much I want to do, you know, and I'm, I'm afraid that I'm not going to get it done. And I'm not going to get all this stuff done. And he said to me, he goes, you're never going to get it all done. And then he yeah. explained to me, he said, he goes, I, he goes, I sat down and I said, what percentage do I want to put into what I have to give? And the answer was 100. Yeah. And he goes, and so, and then he goes, and then the voice was like, well, then you know what you need to do. Yeah, of course. Yes. And so, and that's, that's, that's what it was for him. And that's what it was for me. And, you know, one of the things that John said to me that really is one of the neatest things that I've ever heard anybody say, he said to me, he goes, he goes, you have so much originality. And he said, you're one of the most original people that I've ever met that I know. And that meant a lot to me, especially coming from him, you know. But also I sat back and it's like, okay, if I'm if I'm uh, portraying that to him, 
Mm-hmm. I'm probably portraying that to other people. Yeah. And I feel like I need to uh, flex that muscle more and, and try to do as much as I can before I'm dead. Yeah. Right. And just kind of and just push the envelope and say, why can't I do that? Why can't I do a record in one day? Why can't I do a cooking show? Why can't I, you know, do this or that? You know what I mean? So for me, that was really kind of a changing point, you know, and I looked at it and it's like I want I want to put in I want to put in that 100 percent and figure it out, you know, and push myself, yeah. which is what I see a lot of you do it, too. You know? Dude, yeah, I mean, you're speaking to me right now, man. Yeah. I mean, I know you can see it in my eyes, but it's it's. That's it. It's like why can't I? Why, yeah. And and you can if if you're if you're giving it a hundred percent. Yeah. And um, the issue I'm having is going about it the right way, quote unquote. To me now, I'm looking at it the right way is I'm fighting so much to stay relevant in today's social media and to stay <laughs> present, right? Yeah. And I know you know this because I do. <laughs> I mean, I'm speaking to the freaking choir here, but preaching to the choir, but. Um, I think I, I do lose the ability to make something bigger and greater because I'm so focused on staying present. I'm saying, I need to stay in your face or else you'll forget about me. I need to be here. You need to see this. You need to see this for me that it doesn't allow me to really focus on something and to do it right, per se, and to dedicate the time that it's necessary for that. And, um, <clears throat> That's why I, I I tell folks right now, man. I mean, if you if you are in your twenties, you don't have any kids. Like, you need to go for it. That fire needs to burn inside yeah. of you. Because as well intentioned as it was, when people told me, "Oh, you're young. No worries, man. You're young. You're young, dude." That and it is true. You're young, and life is long yeah. and it's short. <laughs> you know, not in that order most a lot of the times, but it is. You don't, you know, you never know. You can, you can blow up or you can become successful in your 50s, 60s, 70s years, this day and age, who knows? But also, um, you don't know when you're going to go and you don't know what the future holds. Yeah. But right now you can do something about it. So that fire needs to burn inside of you so strong and you need to just go, just move, just, just, just get the wheels moving. Because what I've learned and what I've been doing recently is that people really respect you going after something and willing to fail and willing to fail publicly. Yeah. Which is what I'm experiencing with being as, as present as I am on, on, on social media and, and being sharing everything, being as open as I am. Yeah. Um, people do, they, they actually appreciate that more because it's like, oh, I could never do that. I can't put myself out there like that. And to me, it's like, I, I don't feel alive if I don't. If I don't do that, you know, and and share it because I get inspired from seeing other people go after it. Well, and and the thing is, is like when we talked that one night in the parking lot after one of the comedy things, it's like, you know, you inspire me because I sit back and I just go, well, I want to I want to try that. And it's one of the it's one of the hot dog stands. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you sit there and you go, I want to try that. And what keeps me from trying that, you know? And so then when I see stuff like, well, I'm kind of it's kind of makes me uncomfortable yeah. You know, well, I, then I start sitting there going, oh, that's a good place to be. Yeah. That yeah. uncomfortable part, that's a, that, you want to be there. You're going to grow. Me. Yeah, you're going to. Trust like, me. That's uh, where you grow. Yeah. And I always tell people, it's like, hey, man, the fruit isn't on by the trunk. The fruit's out on those limbs. And you got to climb out there. <laughs> right? Chills. Dude. But that's the truth. <laughs> that's it. You have to go out on the You're not going to get, you can sit and wait. Oh, for, Mike. That's right? beautiful. You can sit and wait for that stuff to hit the ground, but then it'll be rotted. You need to go get it. 
Yeah. And that's the thing. And you need to be afraid. Oh, man, I got to go out there. So now when I come up to stuff like that, it's just like, okay, yeah, that's a thing. I need to do that. I need to go do that. Yeah. And so, yeah, but yeah, I think that, that comes that comes through a lot from what the stuff that you do and the stuff you post and all that. And, and I hope it does because I get the inspiration from seeing that. So I want to reciprocate it. Yeah. It's, it's done so much benefit to me from seeing people do that. It's for seeing people, you know, just spill their guts out and, their, and bear their your heart, you know, right. to do that. That it inspires me that I can easily turn around and maybe touch one other person by doing the same. Why can't I? Yeah. Can I do it. And, and going what I've gone through in the last, you know, handful of years, like... <clears throat> sharing my struggles has only made me closer to people yeah and of course. so <laughs> and so it's like you would think it's like oh no keep it together keep hush make sure everybody thinks you have it all together and found and you know worked out and you have it figured out and it's like the more you share on what you're struggling with the more everybody's like yeah same bro same i'm right there with you right and at, i'm like what and at the end of the day you're sitting on a sidewalk in mesa having good comida right doing doing your own podcast and it's a beautiful look at that sunset yo Come on, forget it. Mike, Mike, Mike. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing, man. Um, hot dog stands. I think I think a, a modern analogy would be like a food truck because everybody wants a food truck, yeah. right? They, they, right? Yeah, I think that's the that's the modern way. If you if you start calling it a food, well, I don't want to change your your thing, but yeah. I think I'm, I might refer. So I'm not stepping on your toes. I might refer no. to it as a food truck. Food truck. Yeah, everybody wants a food er- truck. Everybody thinks that. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that that'd be it. So should we make this a thing where we just go to like these restaurants and fucking yeah do do this? Look at this. We just thought of a thing together now. <laughs> now we got a hot dog stand together. Fucking one. <laughs> I'm all for it. I'm in. Let's go. Oh, I love it. Well, I definitely want to do what I can to to be part of that show. Like, um, <clears throat> I hosted a, a a pilot series for a travel show. Uh huh. That's one of my big regrets is not not traveling. You don't travel? You haven't traveled? I haven't done any major traveling. The last, I've, I've flown twice, and that was in high school. The, the, listen to this quote. This quote is from a friend of mine, Richard Fliegler. He's a great guy. The cure for stupidity is travel. It is. Here, here, let me know what you think about my, uh, my, my wish and hope for my kids, that I stow away enough money for their college fund. Yeah. But I encourage them to not go to college. I encourage them to travel the world for a year and a half, two years, whatever. At least a year and a half. Because obviously nothing's going to teach you more about the world than traveling. But nothing's going to teach you more about yourself than what it takes for you to thrive in another culture. Yeah. And to see, just to see the world. Dude, I've seen so little of this plan, yeah. you know? The thing, okay, so first of all, I, would, I wouldn't, especially today, I wouldn't be sending my kids to college. I'd be, I, would be, I would hand them a, a ticket to Italy. Yeah. Say, you know, you know go, to, you go, go, go make bread for a year or whatever you're going to do. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Figure out different cultures, learn a different language. I mean, and, I, and I've traveled a lot all over, everywhere. And I, would, I remember being in... I was in, I think it was, it was a Dusseldorf, Germany, and I was I was working for Fender, and we were doing a uh, we were doing a bunch of Fender dealers. Different dealers would come every night. Benelux dealers would come in. Dealers from Germany would come in. Dealers from France would come in. The next night it would be dealers from the UK, mm-hmm. and we would do this every night. 
And it was funny because there was this guy, uh, he was from Belgium, and he came up to me and he said, we were talking and stuff. He goes, I got a joke for you. I go, okay. He goes, what do you call somebody who speaks uh, two languages? What do you call somebody who speaks two languages? I got you with your mouthful. Bilingual. Bilingual. What do you call somebody who speaks three, la- three languages? Trilingual. That's right. Very good. What do you speak somebody who speaks one language? Juan lingual? American. <laughs> and that's the truth. It's the truth. I mean, it, it, it is a testament to what we have created in our culture here, that we are such a big superpower, but it's also limited us, in a sense, to experiencing the world and to, to growing, really. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's what it is. <clears throat> but it's like at schools, right? When I went to school, they had an auto shop, three bays, and they would repair people's cars. And show you how to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a welding class. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They had a wood shop. They had a metal shop. They had yeah. a lapidary shop. Could teach you how to make bracelets, rings. Ah, I made all that stuff. In school. Yeah, so I'm from a small school, um, a small small town. Right. So we we did have like shop, and I was yeah. in welding and all that, but I didn't take to it. Yeah, they they had horticulture. So they had a they had an acre plot of land mm-hmm. in my school, and they would and we would grow stuff, and they teach us how to germinate yeah. stuff and how to get seeds started the whole bit right yeah growing your own food yeah they don't do that stuff no more and 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 yeah. it's tough because for for a young person to go to school i have three kids my oldest is 28 20 and, my, and then 25 and 22 right and um they got out of high school they didn't know how to do their taxes they didn't know how to how to uh to to you know build a, a box uh, or yeah. cut wood or use a circular saw they didn't know any of that none yeah. of them Is, where were they going to school just to public school yeah high school in, in, Ch- Chandler in Chandler yeah yeah, yeah. <clears throat> a, a lot of that stuff gets lost because it's like I I mean schooling when you look at it it, it does seem like we're just building we're just building cogs for mm-hmm. the machine that's running. And how it's running and flowing. And, and and then at the end of the day, we're not even doing any of the production here. Mm-mm. We're outsourcing everything. Yeah. It's lost. Yeah. And then you, you pay all these extra dollars to learn something that should have just been handed down. <laughs> you know, been, been if it built into the culture. Yeah. You would have already known it. And then, if, you know, like, you know, something happens at your house, you know, a pipe breaks, you know, sprinkler head needs to be replaced. You know, you have to go, you have to, you know, have, know how to cut the PVC. You know how to have to, to prime the PVC. You have to put the glue on. You have to put the other fitting in. I mean, that's a lot. And, and you know, you should be taught that stuff. I think you should be taught that stuff. And I'm, I'm, and I'm sure, yeah, some people say, oh, I'll leave it up to the parents. But then when you look at society, there's not a lot of two-parent families anymore. There's a lot of one-parent families. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, who's going to do that while they're, while they're working, trying to make the rent and all that other stuff? So anyways, it's a, it's a big, long thing. But it all comes back down to it's, it's a really great idea to get out of here. Now, I've traveled a lot during my life. Yeah. I've been everywhere. And, but my wife, she's only been down to Mexico, right? Really? Yeah. So next year, my plan is we're, her and I are going to Europe. And can, we're going to do like two, two or three weeks can you adopt them little mexican baby this is my little one (laughs) 
Juan, come on. And so, and so there were, so, si, papi. <laughs> so, but we're going to go over there for two or three weeks, you know, and just kind of chill out and, and walk around. I'm going to show her some of the stuff that I've seen. And, yeah. I'm gonna, and then together we're going to see stuff we haven't seen yeah. that I haven't seen. Yeah, share new experiences <clears throat> and together. food and you know people and <clears throat> it's amazing, man. Do you? You notice you had said that you are you're sober. Do you do you partake in in any alcohol for any sense? Like to cheers, to toast somebody, to um, I, for I, special occasions. I can. Like I think I went. I forget where I was at. I love mezcal. Oh, yeah. And my daughter, she she like she loves mezcal too. So mm-hmm. she'll bring home. A bottle of like mm-hmm. really really good mezcal, and, yeah. she, and I'm like, oh, let, let, let me taste it. And so like I'll I'll drink a little yeah. bit of it, but it's very rare, you know. And it's not that I can't. Yeah. And I was talking. Who was I talking to? I was talking to somebody the other day about it. Oh, we were at Musso and Frank's in Hollywood. Okay. My brother and I. And for some, there was some movie premiere out there that I had to go to, and my brother had never been to Musso and Frank's, and Musso and Frank's has been there since the 20s, and it's beautiful, great bar restaurant yeah so we sat at the counter and the guy comes up to me the, the, the waiter comes up to me and I go I go uh, you know I, he gives us the menu and then he gives us the wine list and he starts the cocktail list and he starts going over all the cocktails and my brother doesn't drink either so we don't drink oh okay so then he takes that away and then he comes back and I go because there's a bar next to it right, yeah. you, you go through there's a little walkway and then then they have a, just their bar on the one side and everybody Sinatra Dean every all the Actors used to drink there and all that stuff. And it's, it's a really historic place. So I've got, I go, what time's the bar close? He goes, oh, I think nine. I go, he goes, why? I go, I want to, I got to go over there and get a martini. And he says, I thought you didn't drink. I go, I don't drink. He goes, but you're going to go get a martini. And I go, yeah. And he goes, why? And I go, because it's Musso and Frank's. Yeah. And then he looks at me, he goes, but you don't drink. And, he, and we kept <laughs> going paradox. back there. And I told the guy this, I go, there's a difference between I don't drink and I can't drink. Yeah. I don't drink is where I'm at. Mm-hmm. I can't drink is somebody who that once it got really wasted and shot their mom. You know, <laughs> that's not me. You know what I mean? I can I can have a drink if I want. But damn, that would be a good album, bro. That's your one day album. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Let me write it down. Yeah. But, I, I, I feel that. Yeah. And I ask because I'm going through my own trials right now, yeah. you know. And see, like I went to dinner with some friends uh, a while back, and we went to a really nice Italian restaurant, right? And they and and they came by afterwards, and they said, "How about you know limoncello? We make it here." And I'm a, I love limoncello mm-hmm. for dessert. Yeah. That's a great drink. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'll, I'll have one of those. And everybody's like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah, man. Yeah, it's great." At the end of the night, it is. But I don't drink like <clears throat> you know I don't drink. Weird. Yeah. And, and that's what's tough about Casimir's because they make such great drinks oh. there. Oh my gosh, Dominique! I, Dominique's out there somewhere. She's yeah, such. She's, she's an artist. Ryan made me one of the best. Like it was a dessert drink, really. I mean, yeah. it was this drink was probably like thirty-five or forty bucks, right? And it blew my socks. I think yeah. I, I want to say I don't know if it was a New Year's gig that we did or one right after that, but. My God, man! Yeah. When we talk about it being an art, oh yeah, it, that is art, man. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. And I was asking him, you know, how long you've been bartending and all this. I mean, he'd been doing it for like twenty years, and just I was, it, it tells, it shows. Yeah. Professional. Yeah, Dominique, she goes to like contests and stuff. Wow, man. Yeah, and I'm like, what? And she's, oh yeah, it's a it's a thing. There's like three or four rounds of this stuff, yeah. and you have to make this drink this time, and 
So. Yeah. So that that I, I asked because I, I did I did get a DUI back in March, uh-huh. um, and everybody gets them in, in Arizona. <laughs> well, yeah, zero <laughs> tolerance, right? Right. Yeah. Luckily for me, I mean, you know, there was no accident. No one got hurt. You know, you know, only my pride and my ego, right? Because yeah. uh, of course it was. I'm not one of those people. I'm not them. I'm not this. And newsflash, buddy, you are. Right. <laughs> that's that's what that's what it was, finally was. But you know, with me being. Um, with me being being a performer, you know, I was always just a bedroom player, and uh, you know, my friend Alex had, you know, talked me into playing with his band, and uh, and I was like, okay, man, like I need, I, I do need an outlet, I do want to play, I want to have this, and you know, a part of me was like, you don't belong on this stage, man, you don't look good, you're not this, and so well, I would I would take a couple shots, and now guess what, I do belong on this stage. I am. People are enjoying me yeah. playing and, and seeing me playing all this. Because for me too, it was, it was as much it was it was um, you know um, an audible show, a, you know, music show. Right. I was also there to perform physically. So I was animated on stage. I'm there. You're yeah. there for a show, you know. And so it, it got away from me because everywhere you went, you have a tab. Everywhere I went, I ha- it was new people, and I was like, I, I need to make sure I-, I have a couple shots in me so I'm loose, so you know I feel like I belong up here. Right. And uh, and that's why I wouldn't I wouldn't smoke any marijuana beforehand because it would make me paranoid. Oh, everybody knows you suck. Everybody knows this, you know. And it's like, it's just this fine balance of you know insecurity, really, yeah. that 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 I, I I'd be dealing with, and and uh, you know, alcohol played a big role in easing that for me. Yeah. And then, you know, when stuff, when tough got, uh, stuff got tough with the band and, you know, I was really stretched thin and then I wanted it, you know, to maybe, you know, escape from whatever, you, you know, the responsibilities that I had and not necessarily escape any responses because I was at work when I needed to be, I was, you know, a parent when I needed to be, but I, I was abusing alcohol and I, I can admit that now. Um, and that's why I'm like, I don't know when I'll have another drink because I'm not, again, it's not like I can't, it's just, I don't right now. Right. And right. man, it felt so good when I sat in front of that judge and he's like, you know, you're pleading to this. How do you plead? And when I said guilty, I thought I'd be like, like a shell, like, you know, kind of come down, but I felt so free yeah. to tell, you know, the person that was kind of handing, you know, my life or whatever in his hands, like, I'm guilty of this. Yeah. Well, he's seen, he's so seen, he's seen you take responsibility. It felt so good. Yeah. It was crazy. I, I didn't expect that to feel that good yeah. where I'm like, ah, and now I'm going through the process of all the back end stuff. Like it's expensive, man. Like, Oh, I know guys do whatever you can to, you know, drink responsibly. I mean, that's, I think and it's so and tough it's so out tough. here because yeah, their, so their, 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 their level is so close yeah. and, they, and, and there's zero tolerance. They do not let you slide. No, it's that, and also alcohol is so infused with our culture. It's, yeah. it's everywhere. Well, Happy hour this, you know, th- that. Juan, that's the thing. One of the things that John and I talked about, and John said it, he said, whenever he was in a social setting, and, and he said, you need to watch this and, and see how it is and watch it play out. He would say, whenever you're in a social setting, alcohol sets the tone. Yeah. Alcohol is the one telling you what's going to happen. You get up, you're going to go out with your friends, you're going to go to a bar tonight. Alcohol is telling you what you're going to do, who you're going to be with, and what drink you're going to order, and how many you're going to have. It's all alcohol telling you what you're going to do. And it was interesting to hear that concept Mm -hmm. because it's the truth. And then when I stopped drinking and then when I 
went around and I, and I would be in social setting, settings, it wasn't hard for me. It was hard for you. It was hard for, you know, it was hard for my wife. It was hard for my daughters. It was like, it was yeah. hard for all my friends. You know, my neighbors, my, my neighborhood's really great and, and, they're all, and we're all friends and we all like, let's get a fire pit going in front of Mike's house tonight mm-hmm. or, or Ron's house or whoever's house. Yeah. And, and I got, I got a, this new bourbon. Oh, I'll bring it out and everybody would drink. When I stopped drinking, they, they, I don't want to say they stopped including me, but they expected me not to come. Yeah. yeah. And my, I think my wife said to me, she goes, well, we're not going to be able to go to Trader Sam's anymore. <laughs> and I go, why not? And she goes, well, because you don't drink. I go, yeah, I can, ha- I can have like a Sprite or even water. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's not a thing. It's not like, hey, I got a flag. And, and you see how, but I mean, how alcohol dictates what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, alcohol now, at that point, it's like Mike's, in their minds, because alcohol is dictating to them what's going to happen. In their minds, I'm like out of the picture. I'm not the guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I, I could almost picture like, again, me, if, if someone's not there. Or if someone's there and they're not drinking and I'm getting, you know, I'm hitting it heavy and kind of making a fool of myself. Mm-hmm. Well, now this guy, you need to be a fool with me. You need to be right. right in there with me. Right. Yeah. Or else now I feel like you're. That's a big you're, thing. You're judging me. That's you know, a big hey, thing. Hey, well, you know. That's I, a big thing. And, and I see it happening all the time. And then, and then, and this is another thing that John taught me or told me. He said, the toleration. Like I'll be in a situation, and there's, if there's a lot of drunk people around me, I'm like, check, check please, <laughs> check, please, yeah. I gotta yeah. get out of here. You know, it's so crazy. <laughs> you would think that I would have hit alcohol even harder being in this stand-up thing, where it's like it's so raw up there. Yeah, you're literally just like, hey guys, this is what I think. Do you also think it's funny or interesting? And when they're not engaging at all, you would think it's like, fuck, dude, let me go get a drink. And right. it's, I'm not. Right. I'm not. It's so wild to me. Yeah. I I don't know. It it it, it hit me at the right time, yeah. I think, you know, because if I was any younger, who knows, man, you know. Oh yeah. It, it did hit me at the right time. I can only be thankful for that. Yeah. And and you're right though as as a musician, I mean, the reality of it is is that I never bought beer. I never bought any drinks. Hey, what are you drinking? I got your next shot. Yeah. Or, or either people would buy them for you from that or you the, or, or the bar, you'd had a tab, and it's like, it's like I'll take this. And you never, I never, I would drink. God, I, I would think when I think about the money. Yeah, I would. If they were charging me, I would probably be doing 150 a night. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was easily <laughs> there. Even with my band tab, I was still doing, you know, 60, 70 bucks. Yeah, you know, on it. And I was like, how? Like, no wonder I'm so fucking negative right now, man. Yeah. It's, it's. <laughs> and then you wake up. It's like, oh man, the, that 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 car's so hard to start in the morning. You know what I mean? <laughs> this and is now how, I'm up at like 4 a.m. Bam! Yeah, there you go. I'm sore still, but yeah. <laughs> I was uh, I was so detached from how anything operated that like um, I think it might have been like the following week or or two within two weeks of me like losing my license where they you know they they took it they didn't give it back they give you your per right. diem you know so you can drive with that so it took me a while to find out oh I can still drive it's just this weird license and. Um, I went to my buddy's show at the Rebel Lounge. Right. And it was 21 and over. Or I think it was old ages. Anyways, it's a, it's a venue, not really a bar. You know, right. it's a venue. 
So when I went there, they carded me and I was like, oh my God, I don't have an ID with me because I only ever had my driver's license. And I didn't even think about it because anytime I've been in a situation like that, I was performing or I'm, I'm old as fuck. So they're not going to card me. But I was in this situation where I'm not performing. They have to check because I think it was an all ages show or something. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, and here I am like. Um, sorry, I don't have my ID, but this ticket says I can drive and it's my temporary. And the guy's like, get the fuck out of here. dude!" Right. And I felt like such a buffoon because me and my lady had gotten dressed up. Oh. I dragged her out. And here I am being like, get the fuck out of here, dude. And I was like, that was another fucking thing. Like, they wouldn't let you in? They didn't let me in, man. Oh. The security was just, I mean, they can't risk it. You know, I, I get it. I get it. But whatever. You know, I, I could have made made a scene or, you know, flex a little bit more or be like, hey, dude, come on, like, let's talk about this. But I just took it as, all right, man, that's another lesson, bro. Like, was it all worth it? And right. It wasn't. Yeah, they do a good job of that. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, let's get into, um, you, you're filming a lot. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's an interesting concept. What got you into the filming side of it? So, um, for me, as, a, as an artist, um, you know, I've made, from my own stuff, I've made, I think I'm on the fifth record now, and I did three records with Lee Rocker from the Stray Cats. Mm -hmm. um, I did a bunch of music for soundtracks and commercials and TV stuff and all that business, you know, and, and I still, I still pursue that. Yeah. That, that's, but that's, it's, it's artistic, but it's also, that's really kind of commerce, you know, where you really try to, okay, because they come to you and they say, I want this and you go, okay. And you give them that, but you give them that in an artistic way yeah. that makes sense yeah, yeah, yeah. for them and for you. Almost like a commission based <clears throat> yeah. art piece. Right? Yeah. And so, um, so anyways, I was making these records and I'd made this record. The last record I made was called Baptist Town. And Baptist Town had John Mayer played on the track. Um, Robert Cray played on a, played this lead solo on the title track. Um, David Hildago played accordion and sang backgrounds on, on, on one of the tracks. I recorded it at Sun Records. And I mean, and, and then I, I mixed and mastered it myself and all that stuff. And it was a great record, you know, but I, 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 it was, and it was all songs. I went on this kind of thing through the south and I just kept going through the south I would I kept going down to Mississippi deep south yeah and hanging out and eating at places that blow your mind and and talking to people that were you know get, getting shot you know and 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 it was a it was a pretty interesting um time in my life to do that but when I was down there I was soaking all this up and so I came back and I sat down and I and I wrote I wrote this um this record called Baptist Town and so for me, you know, it was, um, for me, it was, I'm going to cover this. Yeah. So for, for, so for me, it was a real kind of a spiritual thing. And I wanted to do it, I wanted to record it down there because if you record it in, you know, Arizona or if you record it in, you know, even LA, you know, there's distractions with that stuff. And I wanted to be down there to do this. And so I, I struck a deal with up with Sun, Sun Records and they let me Sun Studio and they let me record there, mm -hmm. which is a trip in itself. Yeah, but um, anyway, so I made this record and it was a good record. But you know, I, you know, I hired a publicist. You know, and for people who don't know the record business, this is how it works: you go in, you write twelve songs, you record twelve songs, 
you put a quote unquote CD out, which nobody has a CD player anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You put a CD out, you hire a publicist. A publicist is going to charge you, if they're good, you can hire a crappy one. Mm-hmm. But if you want a good one, it's going to cost you probably 1500 to $2,000 a month with a minimum of three months. If you're going to work it for radio, you need to you need to hire a blues radio guy because I play blues music, or you need to hire, um, uh, or you need to hire a um, Americana radio guy. And for me, I, with that record, I was trying to, I was, again tr- the, the key word is trying. I was trying to get it into the crossover market, so I hired an Americana publicist, right? And the Americana publicist was four thousand dollars. So now, you know, you're talking a lot of money yeah, that you've laid out for a record. And at the end of the day, <coughs> the reality of it is you'll never recoup that, mm. you know, unless, oh, my God, you know, the, the biggest thing in the world, that's not going to happen. At my, my whole saying about the music industry from a long, long time ago was you're either Michael Jackson or you're starving. Oh, and that's okay. really the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, people could say, "Oh no, I'm pretty successful." Oh yeah, yeah, okay. You know, how long is that going to last, or whatever it's going to be? That's true, because that 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 realm. I mean, in a lot of realms are like that. But it's what have you done for me lately? Right. You know, and, it, and it's always changing, and especially nowadays, it's constantly changing. So now, rewind back. So now, or fast forward to now. So I put the record out. It was good, and, and we got a lot of press out of it. I was on charts, and you know they, was, they were sending me charts all the time. The, the radio guy, oh, man, you're number one. You're yeah, number yeah. two on the blues chart. And I was like, oh, that's great. Where? Monetize it. Yeah, monetize it, yeah. You know, it's like, how does that... I can't take that, that chart to my mortgage bank. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you have to figure that out. How do you monetize that? Well, you can book tours. Okay, so now I'm going to get... And, and I did a lot of that stuff. And I was touring with George Thorogood, ZZ Top, Robert Cray, um, a bunch of bands, right? And we were opening up for them. Very successful. It was really good. It was, And we were making good money. But then at some point, the tour stops and you come home. And then what? Because the bills, the bills are always on tour. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> and so you got to figure it all out. So anyways, fast forward now. <coughs> I have this um, I'm writing another record so I wrote it I, I said well, I'm going to go write another record so I, I, I jumped into the formula again write 12 songs go record 12 songs come back to my studio flesh out the 12 songs that I'm going to do decide who, what guests I'm going to be on it blah 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 blah. mix it master it um, quote unquote put a CD out yeah. and then am I going to hire a publicist a radio guy and all that stuff so I had a couple questions there before they yeah. elude me but um do you do you normally like send out your tracks to get mixed and mastered as far as like somebody in general, not just you? Yep. But would you send it out to a new ear, a new fresh ear to mix and master it? I have done that in the past. Yeah. And for me, I went to school for recording and, and engineering. Yeah. And and every time I did that, I was frustrated when I got it back. Uh, it was good. Yeah. But it, I still, uh, you know. And so like on Baptist Town, this is this is really kind of where it started. This is really kind of where it started to uh, crumble. I'll, I'll just say crumble because yeah. it's, it's not really crumbling. It was a good thing. It was shifting. Gotcha. So it's a much better word. Almost like a house settling. Yep. Or setting. Yep. And so what happened at Baptist Town is that I sat down with this piece of art that I made, 12 songs, wrote 12 songs, recorded 12 songs. And I sat down with this piece of art, and in my head... I sat down and said, okay, the first song, the first one I want them to hear 
is this song. And it's this really eerie um, uh, gospel kind of, it's a street preach, it's a street, it's a preacher at a church. And when you hear it, it sounds like you're walking, the vibe I wanted to give is that you're walking through the woods and it's far away and it's getting closer and you're walking up on this church and you go inside and it's a full-blown church inside. Mm-hmm. And you're now you're inside, you're immersed, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what the track was. And it was all acapella. There was some clapping and stomping. And, the, and it started with this preacher and then it, it evolves into this back and forth with this buddy of mine, Jarvis Jernigan, who lives down in Jackson, Mississippi. And we were switching verses, right? And, and so it, it's, a, it's a scary song, right? And um, it's about... Um, it, the whole album is, is... The overall thing is the dichotomy between good and evil, rich and poor, on and on, the, the opposites. And so this particular song was really about good and evil fighting and so in my head I'm like this is going to open the record then this song's going to happen then this song's going to happen then this song's going to happen and I handed it all out you know the recording before it was pressed and all that stuff don't tell me dude don't tell me I handed it all out and the radio guy that I was paying $4,000 to the top number one Americana radio promoter in, in the nation he hit me back he goes I love this record this is great I go great he goes but you got to change that first song and I'm like, why? And he goes, Well, listen here, Mike. You got to really grip the audience. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's a great guy. Okay. He he brought it. He brought it. He brought it home for me, and I'm and I'm gonna bring it home for all of us right now. Sweet. He told me he goes, okay, I'm the radio guy, right? And I go, yep. He goes, okay. The, the Americana. Let's pick an Americana station. One guy. He gets every week. He gets 200, 300 CDs per week of new music. He wants to listen to 50 of those. He's gone through that list and he's going, I'm going to listen to these 50. He pulls those 50 aside. He gets to listen to about 20. He goes, he does not listen to the whole CD. Mm -hmm. He puts on the first track. And if that first track doesn't have a fast tempo, he doesn't listen to the rest of the record. He takes it off because he doesn't have time and he's going to listen to the next one. Because he, he knows that in his world and his audiences, they want to hear that quick tempo. Mm-hmm. So he put $100 bill. He goes, you have to put $100 bill. It's the first song. And I did. And I've regretted it ever since. Oh, shit. Because so, now that CD, quote unquote, that if you find that CD, or even if you go online to iTunes or Apple Music and you type in Baptist Town by the Mike Elder Trio, that's the first song, $100 bill. And that's the one that gets the most plays, really. Yeah. But that other song is way down in the, in the record. And I'm like, so for an artist, it's like somebody came in and go, oh, man, Juan, I love this painting. This is beautiful. But that tree really needs to be on the right side. And the sun doesn't need to be setting. It needs to be rising. <laughs> and, and you sit there and you go, and if you don't do that, I'm not going to be able to sell your painting. Yeah, right. And it's like, well, now I got to recoup all the effort and the time <laughs> I put into it because money right? has got to drive it. So yeah. for me, that's where, like I said, everything started to unbolt. And, and, uh, and so what I did is I sat down and because um, now I, I got through that record and it's hitting the charts. It's, it's doing its thing and I'm, you know, I'm making some money, but there's no way I'm going to recoup, blah, 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 blah. It's still a nice piece of art, but it's out there and it'll be here a long time after I'm dead. And of course. So, but now I'm like looking at the follow up record. 
and I'm sitting down conceptually in my head, I'm going, what's the follow-up record? And in my head, because I'm a flipping artist, I sit back and go, oh, I got it. It's going to be this. And I start putting it in my head, and, I'm, and, I'm, and, then, and then in the back of my ear, I'm hearing, but they're going to fuck it all up, dude. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Oh, man, yeah. And so I sat back, and I, and I just stopped. I just stopped. I, I went to L.A., and I recorded, I think, 13 songs. And then I got home and I started working on it, and I started I started putting it together, who what artists were what guests were going to be on it. I talked to Billy Gibbons about producing it, and I sat there and I went, I'm just I'm just going to stop, and I just stopped because somebody was just going to because stop on your embers. Because I, I thought I, I thought to myself, and it, once again I talked to John about it, and I said I'm I I don't know what to do. My world is not his world. My world is very different. Mm-hmm. And at my level, I have a little bit... I, I, it's weird. It's, it's not as monetarily successful, but I have a lot, I, I have a lot more control about what I want to do. Yeah. And so I sat back and I thought, okay, what's the goal? Um, am, am I going to make uh, a, good, a great living playing blues the rest of my life probably not um so but i still want to do it so it's an artistic thing so i sit back and go okay so what am i going to sacrifice there yeah and i so i sat back and i said and this is where it all really clicked for me when i sit down and to write those 12 songs every time i sit down and write a song like hundred dollar bill or 6149 or whatever the song is when i sit down to go write that song i sit down with a pencil and paper and I make up a movie in my head. In my head, I know what the characters look like. I know what the setting is. I know what year it is. I know what it smells like. I know what it tastes like. I know, I know exactly what this looks like. And you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. And most people out there know what I'm talking about. That's all in my head. And I'm like, man, this is great. And I write it all down. And then I go to a studio. And I, and I sit down with two guys who've never seen the movie. And I record the basic tracks. And I come home. And I still see the movie. So I can make the vocals sound like this and I can bring this choir in to do this and I can have this you know steel guitar do this and all this is really working in my head yeah. and then at the end of the day I hand this off to somebody and if they make no changes on the thing and they still put it out the Juan Monto- Montoya's of the world or whoever sit back and go they don't see the movie they just listen to the song and they go wow Mike's a good guitar player and that's a really good song and that's about it. Yeah. So that's the that's the depth you get to go into my head. Yeah, that's true. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's and true. so and so so for me, at that point, and this is, I because I talk a lot, but anyways, I love it. So for me, so I had, and this is this is where it gets into what the other question you asked: Do you have other people produce or engineer or master your stuff? Yeah. So I have I have a guy and he's a really good friend of mine. He's a a, a a cinematographer, really great cinematographer, but he's a good friend of mine. And I said I have this song Hundred Dollar Bill and I want to do a music video. At this point, I, I this is way before all the stop processes happened. Gotcha. Way before that, I, I needed to do a music video because everybody else does a music video. Yeah. I need to do a vi- music video. Of course. I, and he goes, I could help you. I go, okay, cool. So then I I, I went to Long Beach. I hired him and I I hired um, the club. And we filmed this music video, right? And I, I got, he filmed it all, and it's like, great, he's gonna edit it. He goes, when do you want it by? And I go, whenever you can. 
his, his wife gets pregnant. He has a baby. A year later. Oh, shit. Hey, uh, can I get the files from you? Because I got another guy who might be able to edit it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I just don't have time. No problem. And I'm not mad at him or yeah. nothing like that. It's just life intervenes and, you know, it's not like I'm paying him a bunch of money, right? Okay. So he gives me the files. I give it to another friend of mine. And, he, and he's a video editor. He goes, okay, cool, yeah. And he, another six months go by. And now, because I'm, str- now, that, that brings us forward a little bit more. So now I'm struggling a little bit more to, to be able to tell my story mm-hmm, better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I started filming um, Parchment, which is the latest one I did, the prison one. Yeah. And I started filming that. I filmed that on, on this phone. No way. You filmed it on that? That whole thing was done on this. Damn. Everything. And so I filmed it all. I brought it home and I go, I just got to get somebody to edit. It's so stupid. I just got to get somebody to edit it. And I sat there and, and then now in the middle of all this, because I'm like you on, I'm, the other things are happening. Oh, I'm going to make a cooking show. And so now I'm making a cooking show and I have, no, I have nobody to edit it. So I'm sitting there in Final Cut and I'm like, how do I make that work? And I call my buddy. How do I split the dialogue and the, how do I line things up? And it, oh, you got to do, well, and then I go online, look at a YouTube. Yeah. Oh, I got it now. And I start, so I start editing the cooking shows. I'm editing the cooking shows. I've done four now, right? And I stop. The little bell goes off. It goes, bing. And I go, I can edit the $100 bill video. Yeah. <laughs> so I sat down and I edited the $100 bill video. And it turned out killer. Shit. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Bing. I can... I can I can I can edit the parchment video, the prison video. Mm-hmm. So I sat down and I did that, and it turned out even better. Damn. Now I'm bit, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So now I'm like going, okay, and now this is where I I, I start digging out of my uh, artistic shithole because now I'm sitting back and I'm going, I, I I'm a songwriter. I write songs. Yeah. I write a lot of songs. I've written a lot of songs, I'm, I've, and, and I haven't made films on any of them. And so I'm like going... When, when you wrote them, you had a film in your in mind. In my head. So now I'm sitting there going, I'm going to do films for all my songs now. And so I went down and I shot this new one, which is an old song, 61 and 49. And I shot that at a, at, at a train station in... Um, Globe? Globe. Yeah. And the people at Globe, first of all, are amazing. They, they love filmmakers. They love artists. And so they're like, come on in. I, w- I was going to shoot the, the Parchment video at the Yuma Territorials Prison. Yeah. I called them up. I go, oh, that place will be great. I called them up. They go, oh, yeah, we do it all the time. I go, great. They go, $2,500 a day. Oh, shit. <laughs> like, yeah, not, not yeah. me. I'll, I can make bars. I'll, I'll get some dowels that I can make. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I immediately go to ghetto. You know, I'll just do it that way. But then I called Globe. I saw a picture of the Globe Jail. And I called them up. And Molly, this girl there who I love, she's like, oh, yeah, oh, that sounds great. Come down. I go, well, what do you charge? She goes, oh, don't worry about that. Just come down. Let's have fun. Yeah. It was like that, Damn. you know? And so I went down there and spent the whole day there. And there's people, like, doing tours of the prison, and they're, like, looking around the corner where we're filming all those parts, you know? It was a trip, man. And so, and so the 61 and 49 one, I shot that, and, it, and now that, that is, like, I'm so proud of that one. So the parchment one is good. And when I showed it to a friend of mine, um, uh, he, he's, uh, 
he plays bass uh, for Sydney Sprague, who's really a big artist around here. She's amazing. Sydney Sprague is an amazing artist. Look her up. She's in Arizona. Well, do you? And um, uh, but Chuck Morris is her boyfriend. And Chuck, I love Chuck because he he's a great sounding board. He does a lot of film stuff. So I sent it to him, and he and he, he sent this back to me. He goes, "I love the way you set it up. There's a setup." And then the song starts. Mm-hmm. He goes, people don't do that anymore. They don't do that in music videos. And so, so, for me, so for me now, they're not music videos. It stopped being a music video after $100 Bill. That was stupid and jive. It's a fun video. Blah, blah, blah. The song's funny. It's a great story. But for me now, it, it's, it's making, small, it's making uh, short films. Mm-hmm around the song yeah so the the focus is the film the secondary is the song yeah and that's where i'm at now well it makes total sense because in your mind you had a film yeah and the easiest way for you to reproduce that film is to write a song right so this whole time the song was the secondary vessel to get your actual vision out right and when I came to this realization, one, when I came to this realization, everything clicked in my head now as an artist, as a music artist, right? Because, you know, people who do know who I am, it's like, oh, he's a guitar player and, you know, he's, and he has a band and, yeah, you know, whatever. But very few of them have heard the records. Very few of them, if they have heard the records, because of what our mechanism is set up in our society to listen to music, um, very few of them have listened to the whole record. Mm-hmm. They've heard a track off the record. Mm-hmm. It po- it's on a it's on a Spotify playlist that pops up, or an or, or an Apple Music playlist that goes, "Oh, this is some blues stuff." It's and, and and usually because the people who are putting playlists together don't really care about what I think or what I'm doing. They just know I play guitar. Okay, let's put him in this Bonamassa playlist because he's a guitar player. Yeah, blues. Okay, and then they put you in that bucket. And I I've always resented being put in any kind of bucket yeah I and feel so you. and so for me now it's it's total artistic freedom and so my distribution group that i work with symphonic distribution which are amazing people they they and they love they love what i'm doing they love me and all that stuff they sat down they said we're going to set you up with a vivo channel channel mm-hmm. you'll get a lot more plays you'll get a lot more visibility and it'll monetize better for you. And yeah. I'm like, okay. And then we're going to set you up with your own personal YouTube channel. And they did all that for me, you know. And so now I have my own Vivo channel, Mike, the Mike Elder Trio Vivo. Just go there and you can see the videos that I'm working on. And there's two videos up. There's there's uh, $100 bill and then Parchment just got released a few weeks ago. Yeah. And and so they can see both videos there. And they can see what we're talking about right now, how those those films played out in my head. And now anybody can see, oh, okay, I see what he was looking at. But... People, even people who know my music, they don't know all the songs. Like I had the next one that I'm filming is um, like 61 and 49 is off an older record. Mm -hmm. But, you know, nobody's heard that record. 30 people have heard that song. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so um, so there's no reason why I can't put it out again, you know, with a movie, Mm -hmm. a short film. And so then the next the next one I'm doing is this one called Mr. Newman. And Mr. Newman is a song that I wrote on the, the first record I did, solo record that I did. And Mr. Newman's about a pedophile, uh, a neighborhood pedophile dude. And it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a frightening song. It's a very 
dark song, yeah. you know, and I would put that song out there without telling people what it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I had so many people come to me going, what's that song about? Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Because they knew what it was about. Yeah, but they were like, they wanted to, really? They yeah. wanted to hear what it, I, what it was about. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, um, I think one of the lines in the song is, uh, Mr. Newman, don't go out anymore. He puts the empty bottles out by the door. And pe- people always hear him screaming, I'm so happy. He's ha- he's ha- I'm so glad he's happy now. And it's written from a kid's perspective. But a kid doesn't understand who this guy is and yeah. why everybody hates him. Yeah. You know, uh, you know. The, the the parents will let, want us won't let us play in his yard anymore, and it's it gets into that whole thing, you know. Mr. Newman's gonna die someday. That's what all the parents like to say. Oh yeah, so, so from a gets, kid's perspective, it, it allows you to because we would already go into it with a, oh the song's about this. Yeah. like you already have your preconceived notions yeah. in that, but and, you're viewing it from an innocent right. And, and see, for me, and in parts the parchment video was kind of like that. Um, once again, $100 Bill was a good video and stuff like that, but it was a typical band thing, and I don't want to be a band thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I have a band, obviously, but it's like, to me, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, kitschy, and I, I, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm not into band videos, you know? Like, I, I played um, in Parchment, I'm, I'm the Warden, and mm-hmm. that song's all about a prisoner who's escaped prison, and he got caught. Yeah. And the guard brings him back, and he gets in front of the, the, the warden. And the warden sits there and goes, what are you doing? Yeah. I, I gave you a place to live. I feed you every day. I taught you how to be a man. Mm-hmm. You know, none of my other dogs run and try to roam. Yeah. The lessons I have taught to them brings them home, you know? And so, so creepy. it's the yeah. creepiest flipping thing, right? So creepy. And the guys, and you, you've seen the video, right? Yeah, yeah. And the guy, the guy, I'm, so, so the, so the guy is sitting there looking at the prisoner. Look at you, but you're, you're talking about because you, you, you were a character. Yeah. yeah. And so, so the guy's sitting there and he's, and he's explaining it to him. And does the warden beat him? No. He hands the stick to the, to the guard and the guard beats the hell out of him. Right. So, but it, it's like, for me, conceptually, that's a great way to tell the story. So. On Mr. Newman, it's written from a kid's perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So, and the cons- I've had the concept that when I wrote the song, the movie played in my head. The movie's not me singing it. On the record, I'm singing it. But in the, but in the movie and in the video, it's a little girl singing it. Oh, man. And that's going to fuck people up. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's because that's a thing where it really brings it back home. And now it's not just a blues song. Now it's a social statement. Now it's um, a really deeper thing. And from an artist's perspective, don't you fucking want to go there? Yeah. <laughs> right? You have, you have to push, push those boundaries, push the lines, toe the line. Right. All of that. You have to. That's, that's, that's where, where honest, raw art exists, yeah. is, is in those, the, that fine line. Yeah. And so, and so just, to, just to finish it up. Yeah. So for me, at my age and everything and what I'm doing, I'm going to continue to make records. Mm-hmm. Per, I, you know, I'm yeah. going to continue to make music. Yeah, create. But, but they're, but they're going to be short films accompanied with a song every time I do it. Well, that, again, that makes sense to me because of yeah. how you've described it, that in your head it's already a film. Right. And you're using your media. The medium is music to right. get to that. Right. So, but now you're going back to square one of what you're... My intentions probably were right, and see now. Now I'm not. I'm not burdened by a radio guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not burdened by uh, a publicist. I could give. I 
I could care less if I got, you know. You recorded it on your phone. I did it on my phone. It's in your pocket. Yeah. I, 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 it's like I don't, I could care less. Is 100 people more going to see that? that? Maybe. But to be, I mean, what am I concerned about? When I, at the end of the day, when I sit down and, and you say to me, what's your biggest concern being an artist? It's not um, having people uh, see my art or like my art. It's not that. For some people, it is. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's like, oh, man, that guy has more likes than I do. Mm-hmm. Or that guy has more followers than I do. Mm-hmm. Or, or that video didn't get liked that much. Or that, you know, it's all that world. I'm not into that. It's not, that's never been my bag. My bag has been, can I sit down and show you Juan? Can I sit down and show you Parchman? And you sit there and go, I get it. Can I sit down and show you Mr. Newman and go, wow, I get that. You know what I mean? If but one, also what they got from it. Right. Because they're, in, they're, they're individuals. They're watching it through their own right. lenses. Right. So people, different people are going to feel different things. And I love that. Yeah. That's what I really love about Tarantino. You know, because I'm really into filmmakers and stuff like that. And I'm really into uh, compositional music and, and course, scoring yeah, and stuff. Course. That's everything. And when I, do, when I do the video stuff and all that stuff, that stuff does come up to me. And my son, Tucker, he taught me that more than anybody. I would always, I, had, I knew what it was. I knew what it was, but it was like we were sitting on my couch, my son and I, watching, I think, The Revenant or something. Mm-hmm. And it was an intense scene. I don't know if it was the bear, but it was something else. But there was something going on, and he leans over to me and he goes, listen to the music. And I looked at him and I went, and it, everything, it was like everything. Mm-hmm. Pull the music out. If you pulled the music out, it's just a film. Yeah. You put that music in there, and, and now you're getting... You're immersed. You're immersed, and you're freaked out. And now you're, it's, it's, it's emotionally driving you in a different way. And see, that's the thing for me. I don't care who listens to my stuff. I don't care who sees my stuff. But I know that what the people who do see my stuff are going to get a very clear picture of what that song was about and why it was written. Yeah. And that's the only thing that really matters, if that's 10 people or 1,000 people. You know what, Mike? That, that speaks to me. Um, I had a very interesting day on Sunday. And it, it all culminated at the end of my day. I did some yoga. But, and I felt beaten and not myself. I'm at the bottom of where I am physically because of my sciatica pain. And I'm like limping and dragging limbs to get into positions that I would normally flow into. Right. And I was one with this yoga instructor i was on youtube she was speaking directly to me in the motions telling me not to go as deep right when i needed to hear it because i was like okay take a deep breath because you're about to get in this position she was like now don't get into it be soft and then when my body wanted to move a certain way that was literally the next position so i felt one in this moment and then i uh i hit uh we didn't go into Shavasana where you just lay on your back and kind of meditate and just, you know, lay there, really. Right. One of the hardest moves in yoga, just lay there, right. be still. And uh, we didn't go into it. So I was like, I'm going to throw on my meditation playlist and hit shuffle. First song that comes on, we're just going to let it ride. And I thought it was, in my mind, I was like, it's going to be one of these smooth tracks that I have, you know, this and that. And I hit shuffle and a Tool song comes on. Mm-hmm. A Tool song, just heavy, heavy hitting. Right. Parabola. Which is great because it's a song about how um, we are eternal and pain is an illusion. And I'm in pain, man. Right. I'm in pain right now physically. So I was just like, oh, man, not what I wanted to hear. But, hey, 
maybe the universe knows better, right? So I set it behind me and I start to just kind of get into my meditation. And, I, and it's in my meditation playlist. Yeah. So I've, I've done it before, you know? And uh, I'm laying there and then I was thinking about the video, the music video. And I'm like, you know, what does it kind of mean with this imagery, this and that? And I was like, do I need to think about it? And then this thought came in and it's like, no, man, the music video is there as a medium for people that need it. They need that crutch to get into it. It was like, just close your eyes. You are in a flow state right now. Right. And let the music take right. you where it's going to take you. Right. And the images that I saw, I mean, I'm getting like excuse right. man. I just always just like, wow. Like I let it take me for a ride and every sound in there felt like you know there was like an image of a guy growling and like groaning and which is how I felt in the moment of me doing yoga was that I was just like like I hate that I can't move like I can right now and then there was a moment where you know I felt like I went into a cocoon and I emerged as this this is crazy sounding man but I emerged as this this white being just pure purity just came out and I it turns around and it, it looks at my previous self there and it's like, thank you for dying. Because sometimes we need to put that version of ourselves to death so we can be reborn. And that's what I was feeling in that moment. And then there was a part where like, okay, I'm seeing this imagery, but then there's this part in the song where it goes a little wild, like, the, like this crazy drum uh, fill that is kind of jumbled. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense because right now this guy just emerged and he's pure. And when I reflected on it, I was like, oh, when it turned around this, this pure being and my previous self was dying and it looked up to it, it downloaded all my trauma to this new elevated being mm. in, a, in a pure form. And so it, it was this being taking on my previous trauma and, and going through that pain, like boom, like all at once. Right. And then it turned around and then it was ready to take on whatever was coming. Right, that's cool. Yeah, but that's cool. But that's the power <laughs> of music, man. The power it was of music. So wild, bro. So yeah. it's like, it's like I I get it. You know, where it's 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 we we have, and my mind works that way too in my comedy right. because when I'm trying to tell my jokes and this thing, and my girlfriend's like, where where are you going with this? I was like, well, you don't understand because blah 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 blah. And she's like, oh, she's like, your mind is way too visual right now, and it's not doing the best job of making the words come across. Which is, the big, your which, is the, which is the struggle with comedy, oh right? Oh, my God, man. Right? It's such a big struggle where it's like, guys, don't you see how I see it up here? Right. My words aren't, right. no. That's the problem with communication. Oh, dude. I know. <laughs> I know. I, I take my phone. I write bits out on my phone. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is great. And then I'm driving around my truck, and I'm trying to say it. And it's like, <sighs> Your tongue just gets in the way, man. It's, it's just, it, it's, it just doesn't, the, it doesn't, the message doesn't convey like it does in your head. It doesn't. And that's, that is the problem with communication. I don't think we ever have pure, raw, authentic communication because unfortunately my vocabulary is limited, li limited. And unfortunately the words that I speak might not hold the same value that they do in my mind, in your own mind. Uh. Um, those are like the two big main things on top of, I, I care about how you view me. So yeah. I'm going to present myself in a way where I was like, this is how I want Mike to view yeah, me. Michael, you know? Michael appreciate this. Yeah. Way. You'll appreciate this if I say <laughs> it this way. And, and that that's the problem with communication. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just, just to finish off the music side of things. Yeah. When it came, I guess, cause I, when I, obviously when I talk about it, there's a lot of passion there and there's a lot of 
uh, verbiage, verbiage about it. Trying, yeah. and I'm frustrated because I'm trying to explain it the best way I can. Yeah. So I, I'm really trying to work on to summarize a lot of the things that I think. Yeah. And one of the things that the best way I can summarize my shift in my musical direction is this: when um, a filmmaker puts when a filmmaker puts out a piece of film right whether it's you know Tarantino or you know any or or um um you know any any kind of really great filmmaker you know whenever they do anything like that mm-hmm. um Stanley Kubrick he, I'm a big fan of Stanley Kubrick yeah. I loved his, all of his stuff and I try to incorporate some of his thing yeah in all of my stuff just as, as a because I, I love that guy. And, yeah. and I'm sure that I'll lean on, I'll do that for some of the other guys too. Yeah, yeah. But so if you're a Kubrick or if you're a Tarantino film guy, right? You make a piece of film. You don't sit down and go, oh, wow, here's a piece of music. I'm going to make a film to it. They never do that. They never sit down with the score. They don't, they don't go to the score guy and go, hey, bro. Um, hey, Danny Elfman. I'm thinking I want to do this film about <laughs> Batman. Can you like write a bunch of music and then I'll make a film to it? That doesn't work that way, right? Yeah. It doesn't. Not on a It's a, it's it's no. always it's always the uh, the other way. Yeah. A guy will make a movie like Batman and then he'll take it to Elfman and Elfman will go Elfman will see the film and go, "Okay." And, he, and then he scores it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do for I do that at, I, I guess because I was doing that for Toyota and I was doing that for Dylan Rifle Company. I was doing it for a bunch of, you know, I did some stuff for Disney and stuff. And, and when I would do those, those types of projects, they would hand me, it was, it was so great. They'd hand me a piece of film. And it's like a, tr- a, a, a truck going through the desert in Baja. Yeah. No music, no sound. We kind of wanted to be... I don't know, like a galloping type of, and that's the direction that a director will give you. Yeah, yeah. Just make it kind of galloping and, you know, I don't know, maybe, you know, more aggressive. Can you make it more aggressive? Yeah, yeah. Those aren't musical terms. <laughs> those are like, huh, what? And so you now I have to take those two little words and process, process that into a musical thing. And that's where that all works together. So what my point is, again, is real simple. Filmmakers don't t- take, they don't go to somebody and say, hey, give me a piece of music and I'm going to make a film to it. It's always the opposite way around. So that's where I'm at now. Yeah. So my whole thing is, is that now it's like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I have these songs and now I'm going to, and now I know what they were. See, the film was in my head before I wrote the song mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. as I was writing the song. Yeah. So now I'm just going to go back. I'm going back and I'm completing the processes that should have been. Yeah. You know? That's um, that's a beautiful place to be because I think it's gonna it's gonna bring it full circle for you. Yeah, and I think there's gonna be a great sense of accomplishment there. Yeah, I'll feel better about my music for sh- for sure. Yeah, and it's like, you know, and so when I look at like putting a record like Baptist Town out and doing that whole, you know, rewind to the very beginning of the conversation, putting us an album out Baptist Town out or sixty one and forty nine, which is the record before that, or just the Mike Elder Trio. The, the first record if I just putting those records out and then what 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 I look at that now and to me it's I, it's it's a kid with a crayon mm-hmm. I just I don't 
I, I see no value in that at all for me. Yeah. For me. Now, there's tons of people out there who just go, oh, no, we got to make the next record and we got to do this. And we got to do that. You know, but like I talked when I was talking to John about it. Yeah. I, you know, I was really frustrated with Baptist Sound. I told John, I said, I'm going to release one song. He goes, what do you mean? Yeah. I go, I'm going to release one song and it's going to be the whole album. You can't split it up. It's one song. It's nine ninety five. And back then it was only iTunes. Yeah, you could yeah do. that's right. I said, it's nine ninety five, but you get, you get the whole record and you can't cut it up. And he's like, you can't do that. <laughs> and I go, why? Like, Mike, Mike, no, 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 no. He goes, he goes, you can't do that. I go, why? And then you know what he said to me? He goes, because radio, radio would eat you alive. Yeah. And I'm like, radio doesn't do shit for me now. As it is. Right? So why do I even concern myself with what they think? Or yeah. why do I even concern about? Now, from a, from a commercial standpoint, people will sit there and, they, and it's, it's like you're chasing, chasing the dragon, you know, because, oh boy, maybe, yeah, you know. Yeah, maybe. Well, yeah, what are you going to do? Nobody's selling a million albums anymore. Nobody's selling platinum. Taylor Swift is, you know what I mean? But you're either Taylor Swift or you're, or you're starving. Yeah. So, I've heard of that. <laughs> I've heard of that. You know, that's the whole thing. And that's what it is. I want to make sure that everybody understands. That's for me. Yes. Oh, that's, yeah. That's just my concept. Yeah. And, and people may look at that and go, he's an idiot. And that's fine. I don't care. But I, but I know that at the end of the day, it makes more sense for me as an artist. It, 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 now, I look at myself and I'm just like, I'm a filmmaker. You know, I, I took the parchment video and, and Molly from um, Globe, Arizona. Oh, yeah. Molly, I got done. I sent it to Molly. And she goes, you need to enter, enter this into the Sholo Film Festival. I go, what? Ooh. And she's like, oh, yeah. She goes, Mike, okay. she goes, you need to enter this in all the film festivals. I go, how do I do that? And she goes, I'll send you a link. <laughs> so she sent me a link to this film thing. And all I, you know, what? I, every day I get film festival, film festival, film festival. And there's categories in the film festivals for music videos. Oh, Okay. And you and you and you and you just and and then it's so bitching because they sit there and they categorize it. These are the film festivals that are free to enter. These are film festivals that cost fifty dollars to enter. Mm -hmm. These are film festivals that cost a hundred dollars to enter. The prices are bigger as you yeah, go on. For sure. But even the even some of the free ones pay money. Oh, okay. And so, and I'm not looking at it to to pay money. I'm looking at it to be in that arena where it's like. Now I'm a filmmaker. Yeah. I want other filmmakers to see my film, and I want to sit down with those filmmakers because when I go to the film festival, like I'm going, it's in the film fest, it's in the Sholo Film Festival. They've told me that I'm already in the top 100, that, and they said that, you know, I need to go, and they want me to get a panel and the whole what bit. What are the dates? Uh, I think it's get, get, the end of September. Okay. Up in Sholo. Yeah. And so I'm going up there, and it's like, you know, there's a whole, it's a, it's a weird scene, man. It's like, there's a red carpet, there's a meet and greet, there's a, they want you, you need to get up in front of the panel and talk about your film. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> right? Here's, uh, I brought my camera with me. Hang on, I'm getting a call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's that. So now I'm in, I'm in that situation where it's, it's very interesting to me because now I'm going to be able to talk to other filmmakers and like, oh, are you looking for music for your film? Why, yes, I am. So now I'll be able to hopefully, you know, I integrate some of those relationships into stuff that I can do. Because I like scoring. I love doing that work. Yeah. I do love doing it. And it, pay, it does pay well, but it's like, you know, it's, it, it's few and far. It's feast or famine, like a lot of art. 
you know. For sure. And I can picture, too, also the reason you could love scoring so much is that that's essentially what you were doing to the film in your head. Right. You were providing the score right. for that. Exactly. So it all makes sense to me, Mike. right? It all makes sense to me. And I'm, I'm of the ilk of do your art as you see best. Yeah. And while other people might be well-intentioned on, oh, you'll be more successful if this or that success. And this is, this is actually a John Mayer quote um, that I saw um, on Instagram or something. But he was like, first, before you start off, define what success means to you. Exactly. Because he's, uh, I've had people that, you know, they sold 6,000 copies of their album and they're like, that's a success. Yeah. You know, and I've had people that, friends that have sold 3 million copies or 2 million and their other friends sells 3 million copies of their single. Yeah. And they're like, why am I still so miserable? Well, right. because you never set it out. What you're what your meaning of success is in this venture. Right, exactly. It's very, it's very you know, John always gives great advice, yeah. whether it's on the internet or, you know, or whether it's in person or whatever person. it is. Mm -hmm. You know, you, and, you know, it's, you know, you got, you, you know it's, it's tough because he's a friend of mine and people, when they hear that, they, you know, oh, they think it's a, th a thing. It's not a thing. He's a friend. We go camping. Yeah. You know, we get on bicycles, we ride, and we go buy firewood together. And it's like, he's just a yo, dude. And it's just, but he's a, he has a lot of really cool things to say. And it, and he's very grateful that he's put in a spot that he can say that stuff, and a lot of people can hear it. And it can resonate, yeah. And it can resonate out. That, that All that's saying to me is that the people listening to those stories going, wow, I wish he was my friend, too. It's, it's, it's like... Dude, you have value too, and you are just as important as he is. You just need to find your stride and figure out your level of success that you want to attain yeah. and what you want to do, you know. And maybe that's just doing what you do now, mm -hmm. and it's and it's great, you know. I mean, I love playing acoustic solo gigs, dude. It's a trip. You talk about art. I mean, I would get called to do. Oh man, this is probably three or four months ago. I was, I was looking for acoustic gigs, right? Mm -hmm. This is going to be great. <laughs> this is going to be great, especially for this podcast. All right. I was looking for acoustic dates. And, and so I'm like, well, you know, and um, Eric Ramsey, you know, is a friend of mine. And so I, I talked to Eric and he's like, well, you know, this guy, this place, this place, Fatso's Pizza, Fatso's Pizza in Phoenix. And, and I'm like, oh. So I reach out to them and I'm like, hey, I, you know, I want to play there. And they go, great, you need to come down to open mic night. Oh, yes. And I'm like, oh, okay. Are and you guys naming it after me because I'm Mike? <laughs> and so I go, I go, oh, okay. And so it's like, yeah, it's, thir it's Thursday night or whatever it was. You know, I forget what it was. And so and so, uh, I, go, I go down. Man, this is going off right now. Yeah, it's, downtown's coming alive. Yeah. And so, um, so anyways, I, so I go, so I, he goes, it's Thursday nights, come down here and, you know, you put your name blah, blah, blah. So I drive all the hell out there. You know where it's at? Uh-uh. Oh, yeah, it's out there. Mm -mm. It's out. I don't. I don't even know. I don't you, even your know. Your brain shut off after ten. My miles. brain shut up when I was driving home. Believe me. And so I, it's like, so I drive out there, and I walk into this place, and it's a it's a family pizza joint in a strip mall, and it's a family pizza joint in a strip mall, and there's a bunch of people that are there with their spouses and their families, and they're getting ready to go up and play, and I'm like. Okay, and I walk up and they go, "You here for the open mic?" I go, "Yeah." They go, "Okay, what's your name?" I wrote it down. He goes, "Okay, you're number 11." I go, "Great, thanks." 
ordered a pizza, sat down, and I watched these guys, and it was a it was a really neat thing because they were a lot of them were older guys yeah. that don't have a gig, that don't really want a gig, they just want to go down to Fatso's Pizzas on Thursday night with their family and play those two songs. Yeah. And that means everything to them. And I looked at that and I went, that is so pure and so beautiful. Yeah. And I'm sitting there by myself and I watched the whole thing. And then I got up and did my two songs and they were like, you know, oh, you know, and, and it's like, oh yeah, just call me next week. And I'm like, okay. And, and I just like, and I thought to myself, I go, what's that gig going to pay? What does that gig pay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, eh, it's not really... I mean, I, I probably could do it, but, but I sat there and from an artist standpoint and I, I really appreciated what it was. Yeah, exactly. You know what I want? You know what I mean? So yeah. it was, it was very interesting, yeah. you know, to just to, to go in and, you know, do that again, which I'd done that a long, long, long time ago. Yeah, of course. And, and so, and so I looked at it and I was like, wow, what a trip. And it was neat to do it though. To be right back. It yeah. was neat to do that. And just like, you know, and, and like, I have fantasies of being of like, you know, going back and doing some small gig like that yeah. without and totally under the radar. And it was neat. I just, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Yeah, because the, there's something just completely authentic. Yeah, it's authentic. That. It's authentic. It's that's like you said, like there's nothing in this other than me going up and performing. Yeah. This. And it was fun. I mean, I had a great time and the pizza was good. <laughs> That's a pizza that's really good. <laughs> oh, dude. You're going to make me so fat, dude. <laughs> I know. <right? laughs> this food. Um, well, shoot, man. I think we're losing a little bit of light, but let's okay. um, let's plug your, your, your hoodoo. Hoodoo, hoodoo barbecue. Yeah. Uh, Papa Legba hoodoo barbecue and full supply. <laughs> I'll, give you a, I'll give you a picture that you can splice in. Sweet. If that's okay. Yeah. And uh, Papa Legba hoodoo barbecue and soul supply. You can go on hoodoo barbecue, www.hoodoobbq, hoodoo bbq dot com okay and you can order the love rub on there and love mm. rub is it's great on everything it's like let me go here's the whole pitch now yes so you put it on you put it on uh fried potatoes baked potatoes you put it on asparagus you put it on salads you put it on mexican food uh italian food american food you put it on salads all veggies all meats all fish and uh, you put on popcorn, you put on vanilla ice cream, and it blow your, blow your mind. I have a, a clip where I did a, a shootout. <clears throat> I wanted to call it a rub off, and they wouldn't let me. <laughs> Those so, bastards. So, so I went out with Chef Tim Love out in Dallas, and we did a, a, a shootout for um, uh, rub, barbecue rubs. And, and he was like, and we filmed the whole thing. It was, it's on YouTube. And um, he, he said at one point, he goes, he goes, uh, now you say your rub's good on everything. He goes, uh, he goes, I brought some vanilla ice cream out there. I go, okay. And he, he put on vanilla ice cream. He took a bite of it. He goes, damn, that's pretty good. <laughs> I go, Before good. you knew it could go on vanilla? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's great because it's sweet and smoky. Nice. There's brown sugar in it. There's uh, smoked paprika in it. And so it's, it's a, and then there's a bunch of other stuff that I'm not going to tell you. But I, I thought it, one of the main ingredients was the uh, fretboard cheese. When you oh, no, no. <laughs> no? No, no. Love and goodness is all that goes in that. And it tastes good and brings good luck. But listen, yeah. Yeah. Juan, here's the thing. It's good on vanilla ice cream. It's good on popcorn. It's so good on everything. But just, just think about it now. Now, listen, I just want to tell everybody, Christmas is coming. That's right. It's right around the corner. You can feel the chill in the air right now. Think of the look on her face when she reaches deep in that stocking. She doesn't pull out a ring from Zales, not a bracelet from Jared. Oh, no. 
Papa Legba Hoodoo Barbecue and Soul Supply bottle of Love Rub. And it's good on everything. And I mean everything. Yeah. That's a good fucking promo, bro. <laughs> so, yeah, you go on hoodoobbq.com and you can order it there. We also make coffee and stuff like that. Trying to get into AJ's. They haven't given me the order. I'm a vendor on their thing, but they haven't given me the order. So if anybody out there knows that anybody at AJ's say, don't you have that Papa Legba Hoodoo Barbecue and Soul Supply? Well, here's the thing. There's an AJ's in the mall mm. where the Guitar Center is. Oh, good. So I'll just pop in there every day and ask them if they have that your rub. That would be awesome. Be like, hey, do you guys have? No, not yet. All right, cool. Yeah. And then I'll go the next day. I'll do that. Well, I have a bottle to give you, so you have a bottle oh, to take with you. Oh, man. Yeah. But try it on everything. You put on eggs every morning. I'm going to test that theory. Eggs every morning. It's delicious. It's so good. I'm going to test it. Yeah. Mike, thank you so much, man. Thank you, Juan, for having me. We're going to do this so many times over. Yeah. I have so much to learn from you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, Well, you keep okay. inspiring me, man, and you inspire so many other people. Keep it up. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, but, and thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Guys, follow Mike Eldred on all the socials. Listen to his music. Watch his videos. Uh, go out to the Sholo Film Festival, man. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be fun. I'm, 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 sh I'm sure I'm gonna, I'm sure I'm gonna shit the bed. It'll be funny, <laughs> but it, it'll, well, be, it'll be fun. This Mexican will be there to clean it up. Oh, right? <laughs> come on, no, no. Thanks again, man. I love you. <clears throat> no, thank you. Yeah, right. and uh, come down to Espiritu in Mesa. It's yes. great food, right? Yeah, it's amazing, man. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm easily gonna spend too much time here. <laughs> and Proof Bread is right there. They make good bread, killer bread, right there. Proof Bread, and then Tacos Chihuahuas is right there. This is a this is a culinary street right here. It's really, it's really, it's really come alive downtown yeah. Mesa, man. I, I appreciate yeah. you recommending this place and, yeah. and sitting outside. It couldn't have been a better day. That was great. Right. Yeah, really great. All right. Thanks again, Mike. Thank you, buddy. All right, guys. Have a good night. <laughs> that was good. That was awesome, man. Oh. Oh. Yeah, that was great. What a, it's you know what I don't and the thing is one I don't get to talk about a lot of that stuff. You don't get to talk no about because that. when. When I've done, when I've done interviews, um, usually the interviews are about Somebody been running for a long time and there ain't no way to turn.